Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hello, skin friend. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Skin Reel. Now, at the time of this recording, we are in the last week of September. We are officially in fall. And I know that because my kids have already been to Home Depot. They have set out all our Halloween decorations outside and the days are getting shorter. And now as we're fully into the fall, we're getting back into our routines. Our lives are getting busy and all that sort of fun from the summer Maybe we missed our routines a little bit. Maybe we went to the beach and forgot our sunscreen a few times. But all of the perhaps indiscretions of the summer, now we're sort of looking at our skin thinking, wait a minute, I've got a little more freckling, a little more brown spots on my face. Maybe melasma has kicked in or maybe you've got a spot you're worried about could even be a skin cancer. I love the fall because I feel like it is a great time of year to reset and refresh everything from the summer before the craziness of the holidays begins. So on this week's episode, I have my colleague, Dr. Jamie Glick, joining me. She is a pediatric and adult dermatologist who specializes in acne, rosacea, and cosmetic dermatology and practices in Manhattan. She is going to be joining me to discuss how we can undo all that summer sun damage that we maybe we're exposed to maybe a little more sun than we meant to get, how we can undo that and set ourselves up for success through the rest of the year and into next year. And she's also going to give us some great points on how to change our skincare habits for the colder winter months and also what we can do to prevent sun damage from the summer in the first place. So I am so glad you joined in and I can't wait to share this episode with you. Dr. Glick, it's so great to have you on today because this is a great time of year to start thinking about how we can undo some of the damage we may have done to our skin this summer. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, let's just jump right into it. Why are we even talking about this? Now, it's getting to be fall. The weather's getting a little bit cooler. The days are getting a little bit shorter. Why is now a good time to start thinking about undoing some of that summer damage? 
I think it's a great time of year for patients to come in for laser, basically. A lot of times I tell my patients two weeks before, two weeks after, your melanocytes are active when you've been in the sun. And that's not a good time to do laser because the risk of pigmentation is greater. And oftentimes, especially in New York, you know, the summertime is short-lived in New York. And so people want to be out. And so it's hard to find that time. So the fall is a great time to have that downtime and come in, get your two weeks of no sun, come in and do laser and get rid of all that sun damage you've accumulated at the beach. And let's just even go a little bit farther. What are some of the signs of summer sun damage that people can experience? So lentigos are probably the most common, which are basically sunspots. So the little brown spots that so you start to see on your face, your chest, your arms, your hands. Usually as we get older into our late 20s, 30s, 40s is when they start to develop. And they will lighten when you're not in the sun, but a lot of times they won't go away completely. So we have a bunch of different lasers that can help remove them. Discoloration and melasma is huge for the summer. Melasma is a reticulated or kind of molted pigmentation on the cheeks, the forehead, a lot of times on the upper lip. People sometimes come in and say, I suddenly have this mustache on my upper lip. How do I get rid of this? And it's hard to treat, but it's especially hard to treat in the summer. So using lasers during the fall and winter is much better. That's a great point. And it's probably also a good time just to get in to see your dermatologist too, to make sure you don't have other signs of consequences of sun damage, right? Like skin cancers or precancers that need to be addressed as well. And what about at home things that someone can do before we sort of dive into the office procedures that can be done? Is there anything people should be doing at home to undo that summer sun damage? So definitely sunscreen during the summer, but even in the fall, the UV index is still lingering at a higher amount. So when the UV index is higher at increased risk of burn and discoloration. But in terms of add-on products, I would say there are some at-home peels you could use or acids. So some glycolic acids can help to remove some of the discoloration. There's also retinols and retinoids, which can also help, although sometimes they can be irritating. I love getting people on just a good basic routine at home because I feel like then anything we do in the office is just going to enhance it. So if they can start using maybe a vitamin C serum in the morning, making sure they're wearing sunscreen. And then, of course, I love a retinol retinoid at night as well. And I think that makes these other treatments that we do, whether lasers or peels, more effective as well. So it's a good time to get started with those. And as, as you know, Dr. Glick, that skin rejuvenation, it's not like an overnight thing, right? It takes weeks and months to really see the improvement. So it's a good idea to get started as soon as you can. And yes, of course, sunscreen for sure for everyone. But if you have melasma, you are definitely going to want to be making sure you're wearing a sunscreen and probably even a tinted one. I completely agree with that. I always tell my patients, if you're going to spend all this money in the office, all this money on products, you might as well be using it. Exactly. Yep. And if you're not going to wear sunscreen, you really are wasting your time getting all these procedures, which they can be really costly in your time and dollars, right? So if you're going to spend the time and the investment, you want to make sure you get your biggest bang for your buck. What are some of your favorite in-office procedures that people can do to undo this summer sun damage? I think my absolute favorite is probably Fraxel. So Fraxel is a non-ablative laser. So it basically can help remove the sun damage. 
starch. And it can also help build collagen and tighten the skin. People are pretty red. I usually tell my patients it's going to be a downtime of about four to seven days. So a lot of times we'll do the procedure on Thursday and then I say you can go back to work on Monday, but a lot of people are work from home anyway. So it gives an extra day or two of downtime. I also really love a red laser. So in my office, we actually have two different lasers. We have the V-beam and we have the XLV. A lot of times patients start to get those blood vessels around their nose area or on their cheeks, usually from the sun, especially those patients with rosacea. And I think the fall is a great time to come in and get those zapped. I need to come see you for my nose. <laughs> what For the Fraxel laser, are you talking about ablative or non-ablative, which or both? We have the Fraxel non-ablative laser in our office. We also have a CO2 ablative laser. So Fraxel or non-ablative laser basically sends heat energy down into the skin to break down the collagen and build it up again without breaking the surface of the skin. So the downtime is significantly less, although you will be red and there will be some peeling, which is great because we can get all those brown spots to peel off. Whereas a CO2 laser or an erbium are ablative lasers, and these basically wipe off the surface of the skin. They have a much greater downtime because your skin has to heal. It's almost like a wounded skin. And that usually can be anywhere from like two to four weeks, depending on how aggressive we are. I say most patients prefer the Fraxel. It also depends on your age and your amount of sun damage, your amount of downtime, as well. There's lots of factors, but I think Fraxel is probably one of the most popular because you can get really good results with less downtime. People love not to be out for two weeks if possible, right? Even a Thursday to Monday, I find some patients find difficult. So, But you're right, a lot of people work from home, so that does give some flexibility. And I just tell them, hey, turn off your Zoom camera or sit in a darker room if you have to be on Zoom when you get that done. Are these lasers that you're talking about, are they safe for all skin types or are there people who maybe they're not as safe in? What are your thoughts on that? I think the Fraxel laser in my hands is probably safe on all skin types. We don't necessarily want to do the same exact cookie cutter settings and procedure on every single patient. It's really, we can, there's two different types of Fraxels and there's lots of different settings that we can use to target a specific patient with specific concerns. The CO2 laser you can do in patients of all skin types, but it's much more dangerous in patients with darker skin types. The risk of scarring and discoloration is much greater. So the settings have to be different and the needs are different. So usually I'm not going to start with a darker skin patient with a CO2 before I know how they respond to a Fraxel treatment. Most of the time, Fraxel requires multiple treatments anyway. So sometimes I'll start a little bit lower. I'll see how any patient responds and then we'll increase the settings and potentially even move towards a CO2 depending on the results. Typically darker skin patients, because they have darker skin, the laser sees the darkness and it targets that. And so that's what creates a lot of the problems with laser. So you can definitely do it. We just have to be a little bit more careful. I've also really been liking microneedling with radiofrequency, which I often tell my patients is a colorblind procedure. So it helps with skin tightening. It won't necessarily help with those lentigos that we talked about, but that's safe in patients of all skin types and very popular these days. And probably the V-beam as well, would you say? 
The VBIM is safe as well. Um, the settings again would be slightly different. It's good at reds. It's not as good as brown. So that makes it better for um, darker skin patients. And again, it's why the actual firing of the laser is not so difficult, right? But you really need to know the patient's skin type and the settings. That is really key. And that's where you can have complications. So making sure you're seeing someone who really knows how to use these lasers and devices and is really skilled at it and not just following some cookie cutter preset settings that someone told them to use is so important. So that's great that you mentioned that. Completely. Unfortunately, I actually um, end up treating, you know, a lot of scarring and a lot of laser complications from less qualified people. It's true. As dermatologists, we're sort of the people they come to when they do have the complications. So we do see that and try to educate people to just be really careful about the settings, no matter what skin type you are, but especially if you have darker skin for some of these procedures, you have to be really, really careful. I love chemical peels for undoing summer sun damage and think you can get really, really good results too. Do you do a lot of chemical peels in your office? I do a few. I really like a glycolic peel. I think it's a nice peel for sun damage, for melasma. It's pretty safe on darker skin types as well. We actually have a procedure in our office called the triad, which is a procedure where we combine microdermabrasion, a 1064 nanometer laser toning, and a peel. And the microdermabrasion helps take off the top layer and helps the peel penetrate even more. So that's a really nice procedure that we like to do for not too much downtime, but some brightness and lightening of the skin for sure. I also like to do sal acid peels. I see a lot of acne patients, a lot of scarring from acne. So I think that's a great peel to do as well. What about you? So I love all of those options are great. The sal acid for the more acne prone skin is wonderful. The glycolic peels are a nice lighter peel for someone who maybe doesn't have as much sun damage. But I find for the people with a lot of sun damage, a lot of those lentigenes like we talked about, I love a fairly strong or medium depth TCA peel, the 35% with a Jesner's peel on top. So the Jesner's peel is a nice, just light peel on its own. But if you do that first and then you do the TCA peel, I find you get amazing, amazing results. So that's really kind of my go-to. And the downtime is similar to a Fraxel where you need, well, you need about a week consistently for the face. And then you've got this like beautiful glowy skin underneath. I love it. I actually do that peel a lot as well. And it also helps kill some precancerous cells. So you're kind of getting cosmetic benefit and the medical benefit at the same time. You know, same thing with the Fraxel, right? There have been a, that paper that came out six months ago showing that people who had the Fraxel laser actually had fewer precancers, which again, you would think would consequently mean they would have fewer skin cancers. So again, the concept makes sense, right? You're removing the damaged skin on the surface, whether it's brown spots, what we call lentigenes, or very early precancers, the lasers and the chemical peels are removing all that and then stimulating healthy collagen and cell turnover underneath. So yeah, they're there are great benefits, more than just cosmetic benefits for doing these procedures. Exactly. What is sort of your follow-up or what do you tell your patients after they have had these lasers when they go home? What's sort of the aftercare for that? Typically, especially with the Fraxel and the CO2, like an ablative or non-ablative laser, 
I'll be a little bit stricter. So I don't want my patients using their retinoids about three to five days before, about five to seven days after for the CO2 a bit longer, very strict about sun protection and hydrating the skin. So the worst thing you can do is basically just let your skin dry out. So when we do these procedures, we want patients to make sure that they're moisturizing with good moisturizer serum. Sometimes I'll even recommend face masks for the patient for hydration. I think a lot of times I'll do laser procedures on the face and the neck and the face will heal brilliantly and then the patient will come in and their neck will be dry and I'll say, oh, did you put the moisturizer on your neck? So I always try and remind people that is really part of healing. Cells like to be moist so they can move together and so keeping the area well moisturized is very important for healing. I like to use just very bland, simple products too. This is not the time to use a lot of fragrances and products that could be allergens because the last thing you want when you've had this sort of full face, either ablative or not ablative treatment or chemical peel is to then get this allergic contact dermatitis where you're itchy and raw and that can really, really be uncomfortable. So I feel like after the peel, after the resurfacing, that's the time to just keep it really simple, really bland too. And yes, absolutely hydration. Don't let scabs form. Don't let it dry out. And don't forget that you got to take care of your neck too. I find people a lot of times just focus so much on their face. They forget all of that under there. Completely. Your neck, your chest, your hands. You know, we often say you can tell someone's age by their neck, chest, and hands because people remember to put sunscreens on their face and they remember to put products on their face. So I always try and remind my patients of that. You bring up a great point. We've just been talking about the face, but there could be other parts of the body that you want to improve upon after the summer, right? Like your hands, your chest. Any difference in what you do for those areas? So I love Fraxel for the face, neck, and chest. That is a big procedure I do, especially because if you're going to have the downtime anyway, you might as well do your neck and chest. The neck and chest do take a little bit longer to heal. I also love to do Fraxel at the hands, you know, from driving and not putting sunscreen. We see a lot of lentigenies there and Fraxel is a really nice procedure for that. If patients have individual brown spots that they really don't like, we can Pico laser them. That's one of my favorite lasers too, on the hands and on the face. But you just have to be careful that your neck and chest and your hands, because they're non-facial, the blood supply isn't as good and therefore they just don't heal as well. And so moisturizing and taking extra care, if it's four to seven days on the face, sometimes it's more like seven to 10 days on the neck, chest or hands. You do need to add some extra days for healing when you're off the face. It's pretty consistent with that. Another thing I like to do in the fall, because we're a little bit before the craziness of the holidays, is to do fillers if people are interested, because then they have time for things to sort of settle in. Or if they're doing biostimulants, then they have time for the collagen to start kicking in and building up. Because again, those are us playing sort of the long game. You don't get that immediate result, but it happens over weeks to months for those benefits. So I think there's a little bit of downtime between summer and then holiday craziness. That's kind of a good time to do things like that if you're interested as well. I also think it's just when people are back, like I don't know how it is for you down there, but for me, I mean, I took off a lot of time this summer, but now it just, and it felt like the city was also empty when I was here. And now it's just busy again. Everyone's back. 
and they realize they need their Botox and filler because they've been traveling and they just haven't had time to get into the office. Yes, it is a busy time of year. Yes, school's back. Everyone's like, okay, time to get back into my routine, into my, my beauty routine, my life routine, all of that. Another thing as we transition to falling, you're in a, a little bit, well, a lot colder city than I am, but should people modify their at-home skincare routine? So I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they think that they should use the exact same routine all year. Your skin is different. I mean, your skin is different in stressful times. Even if you travel, it's different, but especially in the seasons in New York. So I often tell my patients like the summer when it's humid and it's sticky, you don't really want to put a thick moisturizer on or sometimes you skip your moisturizer, keep your serum or you skip your serum step. A lot of times I'll have patients come in and tell me they're so dewy, but they constantly put on their hyaluronic acid. I'm like, oh, you know what? Hold off on that in the summer because that's going to make you extra dewy. But this is a really good time to start adding that back in if you decided to take it off. But if you feel like your skin is even tighter. I don't know about you, but New York's been particularly cold. We went from like summer to winter, fall kind of to be lost a little bit. So I tell patients, you want to look at your moisturizers. And if it says a lotion, you might want to switch to a cream because creams are thicker and more hydrating. If you're not using a serum, you might want to add in a hydrating serum like a hyaluronic acid serum. Or you may even want to cut back on your retinoid if you have been using it every night because the humidity allowed you to and now you feel like you wake up in the morning and your skin is peely or tight maybe you do it every other night we're not that cold right now in atlanta it's, it still seems to be fairly warm out here but yeah it it will get colder and with the heat on the air is going to get drier and your skin's going to notice it and seal it so yeah we're gone are sort of the hot humid days of the summer where you're like oh my gosh the last thing i want to do is put a heavy thick cream on my skin. But yeah, starting to modify your routine a little bit, especially as you notice your skin's probably getting drier. You may want to start slugging a little bit with petrolatum, like Vaseline, Aquaphor, thicker ointments like that, if you have areas that are particularly prone to dryness too. And of course, make sure you're wearing sunscreen still, right? That's not something that goes, but you may switch up from a really light, more liquid sunscreen to a thicker, creamier sunscreen during these time of year as we head into the winter. So yeah. Is there anything people should be doing to prevent the sun damage in the first place? So what about for like summer 2024? What should people be thinking about, even though it seems a long way away? I would say number one is invest in a good sunscreen because you're not going to wear it, then it's not going to be useful and people don't like sticky ones. I think we have a lot of good formulations now out there. I also really like antioxidants. You have already mentioned vitamin C. I often tell my patients, I'm actually allergic to vitamin C, so you don't have to use vitamin C. It's not the only antioxidant. And you also don't want to use it with your retinoid because it can inactivate your retinoid. So if you like vitamin C, use it in the morning. And then there's other ones I particularly like resveratrol as an antioxidant. There's also some studies showing that it actually can improve the tolerance of a retinoid. So I'll often have patients use an antioxidant that's a non-vitamin C at night that helps to reverse sun damage as well. Do you have them use that at the same time as their retinol or retinoid? Usually I'll have them put it on before. You know, I usually like write it out. Typically I'll have my patients wash their face, then put on an active product if I have them on an acne prescription or something like that. If their active product 
is an antioxidant, I'll have them put on the resveratrol serum or some other non-vitamin C serum. Then I'll have them put their retinoid on and then their moisturizer. Sometimes if they're really having trouble tolerating their moisturizer, I'll even tell them to what I call or someone else came up with this, but I kind of stole it, the sandwich technique where you put your moisturizer on the line, then your retinoid, then your moisturizer. I use vitamin C. I only just started using it because I really hate the feel of a lot of things on my skin. I can barely tolerate just sunscreen and moisturizer, but I like to do that in the morning. But if yeah, you can't do vitamin C, there are other antioxidants out there. And then I'm pretty religious with my retinoid in the evening. When I was younger, I found I could use that every night. I actually used Tazerac, believe it or not. But now that I'm get, I'm older, my skin is drier. And so I do need to do the sandwich technique at night. And I definitely don't use it every night. I have to balance it out just a couple of nights a week. And I find that that works really well. And by sandwiching it with moisturizers that my skin, I don't have that flaky dry skin that a lot of people find annoying with using retinols, right? So if you can just tweak it and work out ways to tolerate it, then you'll really reap the benefits. But yeah, it's kind of a little bit of trial and error for what works for you. And then again, it might work for a couple of years, you might move, you might live in a different climate, and then you have to kind of figure it out again, right? Totally. I also think it's important uh, for patients to realize that not everything fits everyone. So just because your favorite influencer on TikTok does her or his skincare regimen doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that's okay. Your skin is different. You live in a different location. So I think finding what works for you is fine. Like I don't even use a retinoid. I mean, people think that that's wild. As a 39-year-old dermatologist, I actually have rosacea and I have tried almost every retinoid there is or retinol. And it is extremely hard for me to tolerate more than one day a week in any one that I've ever tried. So I try and optimize my skincare in other ways, like antioxidants, moisturizer, sunscreen, obviously some practical. Do you ever use that Bakushiol? Do you find that helpful? I've used a couple of Bakushiol ones, but one of the products actually broke me out. So it was kind of like a catch-22. I also really like I don't know how you feel about me throwing in a brand there, but recently I've been using the Skin Medica TNS serum. I like that it has growth factors in it and it's non-irritating. So that's something I've been using more frequently. I've tried every retinol alternative that there is, and I kind of just keep switching to see what my skin tolerates. But vitamin C and retinoids, despite what TikTok says, you don't need them to have good skin, especially if it just doesn't work for you. If it's irritating your skin, you don't like how it feels or it's causing more harm, then leave it, drop it, forget it. But I bet you're super, super vigilant about your sun protection. And again, I think that's like number one, two, and three. In relation to what you said, you really want to keep your skin barrier intact, right? Because if you don't keep your skin barrier intact and you have dry skin, broken skin, then you're going to have inflammation and bacteria get in there and it's going to break down your collagen and it's going to flare your rosacea and flare your acne or, you know, make you look older. So I think that's probably the number one thing I do. I'm really good about washing my face, moisturizing, hydrating my skin and absolutely sun protection. You should, everyone knows what it's like to go to the beach with me. Everyone knows because... <laughs> 
If there's no umbrella there, I'm not going with you. (laughs) Yes, I'm right there with you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so critical. And I always tell people like, put me out of business, just wear sunscreen and I'll go (laughs) retire early. But I know it's hard, but this has been really informative and great. Can you just leave the listeners with maybe your top three tips for undoing summer sun damage? I think number one would be invest in a good sunscreen for post-procedure care. Number two would be go see your board-certified dermatologist so they can discuss with you what procedures work best for you. And number three is moisturize. So you have that skin barrier intact and you're keeping your skin healthy for the future. Love it. Yeah, such great advice and really a prime time to be thinking about it as the weather's cooling off and we're in the fall, we're heading into winter. So really great, timely advice, Dr. Glick. Thank you so much for being here. Where can our listeners and viewers find you if they want to see you in person or they want to follow you on social media? On social media, I'm Dr. Jamie Glick on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, so you got to find me on Instagram. It's Dr. Jamie Glick with a funny spelling to my name. I have an I before and after the M. So two I's in my name. And in person, I practice in New York City, the best city in the world, on 19th and 5th and New York Dermatology Group, which is in Flatiron. Awesome. Well, I will definitely put that all in the show notes so people don't have to worry about writing it down right now. And this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining me and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.